Hi, I'm Xavier McFarland, and welcome to the Catholic City Podcast from the Mary Foundation. Today's episode features Father Larry Richards sharing insights on the Sacrament of Confession from his experience as an inner-city pastor, high school chaplain, counselor, and evangelist. Father Larry's style is clear, honest, and often surprisingly gentle, and will help you grow in humility, contrition, and renewed hope for a closer relationship with Jesus Christ through this powerful healing sacrament. But first, if you ever considered becoming a Catholic or are a Catholic seeking to deepen your relationship with Christ, please visit us at catholiccity.com to order our Catholic scapulars, books, booklets, relic prayer medals, and best-selling novels by Bud McFarlane. Sign up for Bud's twice-a-month Catholic City email message, where he's been sharing profound insights, sage advice, and crazy stories for over 25 years. We are also the world's largest distributor of the Purple Scapular, given by Mary to the approved French mystic Marie-Julie Jehenny in the late 1800s. You can learn more at our website, catholiccity.com, which is the online home of the Mary Foundation. Since the dawn of the internet, we've been a world leader in delivering proven, free, or low-cost tools for evangelization right to your door. And now, let's begin. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Father, more than anything else, we need to know that you are a God of compassion and a God of mercy. Please, Father, we beg you tonight to embrace us in mercy, to help us to know your mercy, to help us to know that you are a gentle Father, always calling us home to be with you. Father, you are the only thing that matters. Help us to know that. Give our hearts, hearts filled with repentance, that we may be with you forever. For we beg you this, Holy Father, in the name of Jesus, your only Son. Amen. Mary, Mother of Jesus, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Tonight, preparation for confession. The greatest of all the gifts that God has ever given us is the gift of mercy. God's first movement is compassion. Okay? That no matter what, you know, if you went to Mass this Sunday, and I would, I would think everybody here did, please, Lord, uh, if not, mortal sin, get to confession. But, it was the story of the prodigal son, huh? Now, I gotta get into the mindset of what sin is about. Sin is just saying no to God. We don't get to make up our own minds. Like if we go back to the original sin, if you have your Bibles, go back to Genesis with me, please. And I'm going to do, I'm going to try to go through a, a, a why of confession and what sin is, and then I'll go through an examination to help prepare you for confession, how to get a better confession. If we go back to one uh, Genesis, and we go to chapter 3 of Genesis, so the very beginning, chapter 3. Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the animals that the Lord God had made. Verse 1. The serpent asked the woman, Did God really tell you not to eat from any of the trees of the garden? The woman answered the serpent, We may eat of all the fruit of the trees in the garden. It is only about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden that God said, You shall not eat it or even touch it or you will die. Now, what we would call this traditionally is she had full knowledge. <laughs> Serious matters already there because God said it. Don't take from the tree. She has Syria full knowledge because the devil says, did God really say that? Now notice, in all sin, please, the first thing the devil does to us is what? Instills doubt. So doubt is given. So, then he says, did God really say that? And she goes, uh-huh, uh-huh, yep, God said I can't do it. Nope, nope, nope. If I even touch it, I will die. Now again, notice, if God said that, God being a just God, if we take from the tree, God must fulfill his justice. If God says you will die, guess what? You will die. Period. Because God is not a liar. Okay? So, just before I set up all this, the devil says he is the father of, the devil's called the father of lies. So what's he do? He gave his first lie. You certainly will not die. No, God knows well that the moment you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God's in the fact that you will know what is good and bad. The original sin here, get it, get it, get it. The original sin is that I become God and I determine what's right and wrong. So, if I think it's okay to miss Mass on Sunday, it is. Why? Because I'm God. I determine that. If I think it's okay to have sex before marriage, it is. Why? 
because I'm in love. If I determine that it's okay to commit adultery because my wife or husband doesn't love me the way I want them to, it's okay because why? God understands me and God loves me and so I don't think it's wrong or I don't think it's right. Well, hear this. God doesn't ask you and he doesn't ask me. It's not our job to sit there and say what's right and wrong. But the devil at the beginning says, if you do this, you'll get a chance. You get to determine what's right and wrong. That's the original sin, and it is the sin of almost every American I've ever met in my life. I don't think that's wrong. Well, it doesn't matter. God said it is. Okay? Now let's go on. So he gives a woman. Then the woman, in verse 6, says, she looked at the tree, it was good for food, it was pleasing to the eyes, and it was desirable. Good, pleasing, desirable. Now get this. All sin has in it something good, or we wouldn't do it, right? If sin wasn't good, some part of it. Now, again, sin means to miss the mark. So it's still going the right direction, but we miss the mark. Sex is good, right? (laughs) Yeah. Some people go, yeah, Father, huh? Yeah, it's holy. It's wonderful. But if I'm doing it outside God's will, I'm doing something God created to be good, but I'm missing the mark. I'm going the other way. And so I'm determined. And so there's something good in all sin. There's usually, too, something pleasurable. Because if it wasn't pleasurable, (laughs) I wouldn't do it. And sin always has a desire. There's a desire inside of me that wants it. Now, all three of those things, pleasure, goodness, and desire, are good. You know? But when we do it apart from God's law, that's when it misses the mark, and that's when we sin. And please notice... Sin is not hurting other people for the sake of hurting other people. It's not how people say, well, I don't hurt anybody, Father. That is not what sin's about. Sin has nothing to do with hurting anybody. The original sin did it. Did it have anything to do with hurting another person? The only thing that was wrong was God said no. The tree wasn't poisonous. It wasn't bad. The only thing wrong with the tree was God said no. No. In all sin, the only, ultimately, what's wrong with sin is God says no to something, and we say yes. And again, in case you don't know me, you hear this before, the center of all sin is what? I. I determine. Me. This is my life. This is my will. This is my desire. This is what I want. Anytime the I is there, there's usually sin. So, she saw it was good, pleasing, desirable. So she took some of the fruit of its tree, ate it. She gave some to her husband. With that, their eyes were open and they realized they were naked. So the first thing that happens is shame enters in. There was no shame before. And sin always brings shame. You know, there's something I'm ashamed about. Huh? <sighs> so, this is set up. It doesn't sound very good now, does it? Anybody want to slip their wrist, let's do it now, because, oh, Father, you just killed me. That's very nice. Oh, my. Well, notice, this is all of us here. Please, don't sit there and think, oh, my gosh, that's me. It's all of us. We've all have sinned and all are deprived of the glory of God. Every single one of us. Isn't that nice? So, God said it. If you do this, you die. Hmm. Now, let's go on. If you go to verse 15 of Genesis 3, First, God fulfills his justice. He throws them out of the garden because he does. He's throwing them out. But then here is the first verse of salvation, the first promise of salvation. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will strike at your head while you strike at his heel. Now notice, it wasn't the woman that would strike at his head. Who was it? The woman's son. And who is the woman and who is the son? Mary and Jesus. This new Eve, the second Eve. Eve was the first Eve she brought sin by her. No to God's will. Mary, when she was confronted with God's will, she said yes, and she brought life. No to God's will brings death and sin. The wages of sin, it says in Romans chapter 6, the wages of sin is death. Sin always kills us, period, comma, end of all paragraphs. 
Cinders doesn't oh it's nice, it kills the soul. Hmm. Now, now that sin kills us and we know that, then God says, But don't worry, I am going to do something. I will give you hope. Now I get this, if you get anything else out of me, what I say tonight. God being a just God must fulfill his justice, and he does. God says, if you do this, you will die, and we did it, so we must die. The penalty must be paid. It was an eternal penalty because it was original sin. But God in love looks at us and says, I love you so much. I can't stand to have you. I can't stand to be without you. How will I fulfill my justice? I know. I will become one of you, and I will fulfill my own justice. So Jesus Christ, the man, took Jesus Christ, the God, the second person of the Trinity, the Word, took on flesh in Jesus Christ, the man, and God himself in the person of Jesus Christ fulfilled his own justice. So in Jesus Christ, the justice of God is fulfilled. Now this is very important. The only one that could fulfill the justice of God would be God himself. That is why, please, and I've talked about this before, but I don't think I talked about it since the Lenten series started. If you and I was to drop dead today, and you and I stood before God the Father, and he said, why should I let you into heaven? There's only one answer. If you say, because I've been a good person, you're going to hell. If you say, well, I, I tried to love you, you're going to hell. If you sit there and say, I obeyed all the commandments, God, <laughs> you just lied, you're really going to hell. Now, whatever it is, now let's say Mother Teresa, she died huh, a couple months ago now. When she went before God the Father, and God the Father says, okay, Mother, why should I let you into heaven? If she says, don't you know who I am? I'm Mother Teresa. I am a living saint. Mother Teresa's in hell. If she would answer that way, but that's not the way Mother would do it. If the Holy Father, God forbid, died tonight, and he said, why should I let you into heaven? I'm the Holy Father. Come on, God. Hell. There's only one answer by the church why we get to heaven. And that's because Jesus Christ died for my sins. And if you think that you can enter into heaven by your works, you are a heretic. Heretic. Burn them. We cannot enter into heaven. In fact, very clearly, if we can earn heaven, then Jesus Christ died on the cross. There's no cross in this church. No cross near Catholic place. No crucifix. If... Yeah, okay, there's a cross there anyway. Yeah, and no crucifix. But if we could earn our way to heaven, then Jesus Christ died for no purpose. It was a waste of time. Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sins. Period. So at least you better have got that. How do you go if you go to heaven and you stand before God and he says, why should I turn to heaven? Because Jesus died for me. You got it. Now you got to live that. Did you live that? That's where works comes in. we got to participate by the way we live in what Jesus Christ did for us. When he died on the cross, he redeemed the whole world. It was a once and for all, as I talked about last week. We don't re-kill Jesus. Jesus doesn't die again for our sins. He died once, and he brought redemption to the whole world through his one death. And we all participate in that. Now... We, though, need to live that and take it on our lives. And what we do is we don't live that, do we? Really well. So that's why we've got to participate in that oneness through the sacrament of confession. Confession is where the one sacrifice of Christ is renewed in my heart. Because, because what's happened is I have rejected that love by committing mortal sin. I have brought the sin upon me and I've separated myself from Jesus. And so I need to be reconciled with Jesus. Now notice, it is all about a relationship. It's not about breaking laws or rules. It became very clear to me years ago when I was up in, uh, I was visiting a friend of mine up in uh, New York. I was in high school. And I'm a Pittsburgher, right? And I was in my friend's place up in Pittsburgh. We had to learn how to milk cows. And everybody, anybody here ever milk a cow? We're any cow milkers. Oh, lots. Okay. So, you know, I'm sitting there learning how to milk cows, and I go, this is really boring. And as you're trying to milk cows, of course, they're laying in their urine and everything, and they're, they're you know, they're nice urine-filled um, 
tail slaps you in the eye and you want to kill a cow. But anyway, one night we're sitting there looking for Betsy and Betsy had just had a beautiful baby bull calf. <laughs> and uh, she was going to have a calf. So we're going, we said, where's Betsy? And Betsy was missing. So we walked a mile, mile and a half onto the pasture and we just found Betsy and she had a beautiful baby calf. All black with a light white mark right underneath his neck like this. Wasn't that appropriate? True story. I'm not making this up. I'm, I swear. So anyway, all black calf just came out and trying to stand. I thought, oh, I wish I could have seen that baby being born, but I missed him. So he said, I said, now what? And he said, well, we got to get the cow back to the barn. I said, how do we do that? And he says, we got to carry him. And I says, how do we do that? And he says, the way you're supposed to do it, you should pick it up by all fours like this, you can start carrying but I don't know, I'm a dumb Pittsburgher, huh? I grew up in the city. And he said, did you ever see the picture of the Good Shepherd? I said, yeah. He said, well, bend over and I'll put it over your shoulders. And I said, okay. So I bent over like this. He picked up this full bull calf and he put it over my shoulders. And I picked up and I started walking. Well, as I'm walking... This little bull calf did not like being six foot and a half inches high in the air. And as I'm walking like this, he's going, and he's shaking a little bit, trying to get down. I'm a stubborn soul, and I'm walking like this. And as I'm walking, he's going, and he's shaking, but I would not let go of this bull calf. All of a sudden, as I'm about a half mile back towards the thing, I still got another mile to go, if you will, I felt a little trickle on the side of my neck. This... This little trickle became a gushing liquid uh, into my hair, into my mouth. I had a white t-shirt on. It suddenly became bright yellow. This little bull calf was urinating all over me. <laughs> Do you think I let that bull calf go? No way. I am a stubborn. I figured I'm with anyway. <laughs> I sat there. I walked the other mile, stinking, smelly, wet, got to the barn, threw this bull calf down on the barn ground. He kind of looked over at me and he went, with a little smile on his face, if you will. I wanted to have veal that night for dinner, but they wouldn't let me. Veal, in case you don't know, is baby calf. Anyway, I wanted him that night, but they wouldn't let me. Now, of course, in this place... They don't have a shower. I had to take a bath. Not very nice. Here I am in the bathtub. No Mr. Bubble. Me in the bathtub. And don't imagine a priest naked in the bathtub. It's not very good. You're imagining. Cut it out. Clear it out of your mind. Get it out now. Get it out. Here I am in the bathtub. Don't think about it. And all this yellow stuff starts to float at the top of the bathtub. Disgusting, disgusting, disgusting. Now, as I'm laying there and this stuff is floating at the top, I had a revelation. And it was God says, hey, Richards. <laughs> yes, God. He said, you know what that bull calf just did to you? I said, yes, God, I'm sitting in it. Thank you very much. <laughs> and he said, that's what you do to me every time you sin. Oh, don't tell me that, God. See, I like to see sin as just, oh, yeah, I broke a rule. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to sit there and see sin as something personal. What happens to all of us, the day we're baptized, or the day we come to Jesus Christ, he picks us on his shoulders, and the only thing, being the good shepherd, the only thing he wants is to get us home, get us to heaven. That's the only thing he wants. And what happens is we start kicking and screaming and say, let me down, I want to do it my way, I don't want to be carried. And we do all that business all over Jesus. And that's an image for us, that we got to sit there and think about that every time I make Every time I sin, I'm choosing something other than Jesus. It's a relationship, huh? And if we do that, like I tell my poor kids, my poor prep kids, they, gosh, what they have to put up with when they put up with me. When I sit there and I tell them, gentlemen, those of you who are struggling sexually, I want you to think of this. And not just sexually, all sins here. This is whatever our sin happens to be. But when you're struggling, think of it this way. Here's Jesus. On the cross, if you will, get the halo. And there's your girlfriend, <laughs> whatever, or a boyfriend for the girls, or whatever it happens to be. And here we are in the middle. And he says to us, choose. <laughs> That's an altogether different thing when it talks about sin, isn't it? Choose. And I say, hmm, there's Jesus right there because Jesus is always with us. And I say, okay, now you got to sit there and get this mental picture in your head. Jesus says, choose. You look at Jesus and you go, 
<laughs> Jesus, you know I really love you and everything. <clears throat> you know that, but you know right now I'm very horny. Thank you, Jesus. And you get this big hawker. You know what a hawker is? Bring it up. <clears throat> and you spit in Jesus' face and you watch, you say to Jesus, watch this, Jesus, you get on top of your girlfriend. And he watches you and weeps. Isn't that a horrible image to give to a high school kid? Terrible thing to do. But it's always that. I got to get it in their minds and our minds. Don't you know it's choosing something other than the one who died for me and gave his life for me. That's what all sin is. It's saying, no, Jesus, my way, not you. But, you know, some people say, there isn't one of us here, I would hope, not one, that would ever sin to hurt Jesus. Right? Not one of us would go out and say, okay, Jesus, that's it. Or, God, I'm tired of you. Watch this. Not one of us. But it's about a relationship. And I say again to the guys, I say, now, how many of you would fall around on your wives later on in life? And, of course, they'd all say, none of us would. But I said, let's say that you're out at a party and you're madly in love with your wife or your husband. You're out at a party and you happen to be on. You love your wife and you love your kids. But you know, you're at a party and you had a few drinks and here comes this woman. And she just says, hey, come on, you want to go for it? And you say, okay. And then your wife finds out about it. And you look at your wife and say, excuse me, this had nothing to do with you. I had a few drinks and this woman came and you know, so what? What's it got to do with you? What has everything to do with her, huh? We are in a relationship, your husband and wife. So anything you do also hurts your relationship with your spouse. Well, we are in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And anything we do hurts my relationship with the one who is the one who loves me more than anybody else. And so when I go to confession, it's not just breaking a list of sins. Boom, 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 boom. It's Jesus. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for hurting you. I'm sorry for choosing other things over you. I'm sorry for letting other people take your place in my life. God has the right to have first place in our life because he bought us. And at what a price, his precious blood. Now, just to give you that's the overall, now I want to give you a couple things. I'll give you a little bit what sin is. Boom. Now that you sit there and think, oh my. And about it's a relationship, it's not that. I want to see where, where we get the reality the Catholic priest can hear confessions and where we get the power to forgive sins. So first I want you to go first to Matthew 16, chapter 16, verse 18. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And here in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 18, he gives, you know, it says, who are you, da, 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 and Peter says, you are the Messiah. And verse 18 says, I for my part declare to you that you are rocking on this rock, I will build my church. Notice, he didn't say I was going to build my literary club, he says, I will build my church, and the jaws of death shall not prevail against it. Verse 19, I entrust to you, to you, Peter, to you, the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you declare bound on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you declare loosed on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, let's say I have a, these are the keys of my car. I only have one set, and I throw them over to Jerry over there because he needs a car. I mean, that fan he has, it's pretty old. Anyway, I say, here, Jerry, take my car. Well, he now has the power to let people into my car or keep people out. It's my car, yes, but I gave him the power because I just gave him my keys. Jesus Christ, whose heaven it is, gave the keys to heaven to Peter. And he said, whatever you let in, I'll let in. Whoever you keep out, I'll leave out. That's a pretty strong thing. Why did he do it? I haven't a clue. But the first thing that the church has is the power of the keys. Very important. Next, go to John chapter 20. John's Gospel, chapter 20, verse 22 and 23. And this is the key one for confession. Chapter 20, verse, I mean, uh, chapter 20, verse 22 and 23. Then he breathed on them and he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now get this next line, please, because it's very important. People argue about it all the time. I don't see how it can be any clearer, even in the Greek. If you, if you, chapter 20, verse 
19 and I mean 22 and 23. If you forgive men's sins, they are forgiven them. If you hold them bound, they are held bound. Jesus gave the power to forgive sins to his priest. When you go to confession, you'll hear a priest say, God the Father of mercies, through the death and reconciliation, God the Father of mercies, through the death and resurrection of his Son, has sent the Holy Spirit among us for the forgiveness of our sins. Through the ministry of his church, may God grant you pardon and peace. And then the next line is, and now I absolve you of all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It is the priest in the instrumentality of God who forgives you your sins. And he said, if you forgive men their sins, they are forgiven them. It's very important that we realize that the priest is the ordinary means of forgiveness. Can God cure, cure and heal people outside of confession? Yes. In an emergency, it's always been taught. You're driving along and you get in a car accident, you're dying there and you say, God, I'm sorry, can God forgive you? And does he? Yes. But again, you got to look at sin as like a cancer. My mother had cancer two years ago. And the first thing she did is she called me and she says, Larry, would you pray for me? Now, God could have cured my mother, could he not? Of course he could. God is God. But God chose to use a human being, the doctor, and she got a mastectomy. And she's completely cured. God chose that doctor and healed my mother through that doctor. Was that doctor taking God's place? No, he was an instrument of God. Sin is a spiritual disease, and it'll kill us. And so you got to go to the doctor of soul, the priest, and he operates and he gets it all away. And please, you got to know, one of the first questions that's ever asked in the, in the after someone has cancer is what? after the surgery. Did they get it all? Because if they didn't get it all, you still can die. It can grow. The same thing when a person goes to confession. When you go to confession, you need to get it all. If you don't get it all, if you purposely withhold a sin, none of the sins are forgiven because you still got sin. It's important that you give all your sins to the priest. You know, I've done over 300 retreats and parish missions and adult missions and all the different adult retreats throughout there are all kinds of places and when I hear confessions it's usually and I have people that have been going to confession for 80 years I remember I did a parish mission once in Pittsburgh and this woman she was 84 years old and said father after your examination this will be my first true confession because never confessed everything never even realized what sin was just went through the mokes. Yeah, I got angry a few times. You know, most people, I hate confessions at a parish. You know why? Except my parish is different. But I go to a parish, and then it comes time for these penance services. People come, Father, it's been, oh, about a year since my last confession, and, uh, well, I don't do much. Uh, oh, I got angry about six times, and I talked about others about eight. That's all. I mean, that's very, 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 very typical. You know, and if you would sit there and examine your life, I say to them, do you get angry? Oh, yeah, but every, no, 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 not everybody. Do you get angry? Sunday, always God's day? Is God number one in your heart and in your life? Is that all you think about every day? Uh, no, that's a big sin. Uh, and I go through the whole thing and I go, oh, Father, we got to know what sin is. We got to know what our cancer is before we can get rid of it. Now, please. The one who knows us the most loves us the most. You do realize that. Jesus Christ knows you more than anybody else. He knows all your sins. The sins you're most ashamed of, he was there when you did them. Do you think he's out to get you? He's out to love you. Please, when I do this examination now, some people get like, and I get real intense, don't I? And some people think, Father, you're screaming. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't know why. I get so intense. But the reality is, is I want you to know what sin is, not so you can feel guilty. Please, that's not the point. I say this so you can be forgiven. So you can sit there and say, whoa, Jesus, I need you. And he's, yes, I know. Come home. I know. The Pharisees did not ever think they needed confession. And Jesus said, I can't help you. Why? Because they didn't need help. That the sinners who came to him and crawling and saying, please, 
they knew they needed help and God could do great things in their lives. If we don't think we're very sinful, then we know we need to do this. And God is so, you know, I can't tell you confessions. I can't even tell you. I can't, you know, like, let's say you come to me and says, Father, I killed your mother. I could not come back to you the next day you went face to face and say, remember last night you told me you killed my mother. I could never bring that back up to you and I can't treat you any different. And I can't break the seal of confession. I can tell things in general. But I just want you to know that in confession is a place you meet and encounter Jesus, the mercy of Christ. You know, and I've seen so many people's lives transformed by the mercy of Jesus. Once I was in Italy, and I like to tell the story because it's the way, you know, some people think it's the grossest thing anybody could do. But I was in Italy. I just got done saying mass. And this big guy, six foot four guy, blonde hair, blue eyes, big muscle guy, come up to me with a strong accent and says, Father, uh, I was petrified. He was petrified. He says, uh, uh, please, Father, could, could you hear my confession? I said, well, sure. Come on. And there was no place to go, so I just sat down. And the guy now in front of me. And he could hardly breathe. I said, relax. Let me bless you, huh? So I gave him a blessing. And I said, okay. What are you done? <sighs> and he went a bunch of things. And, and he just, I said, what's the matter? Relax. He said, Father, I just came, uh, I just came from Switzerland or wherever, and uh, I, I I picked up two male prostitutes, Father, and I had sex with two male prostitutes, and I've been addicted for many years to phone sex. And he looked at me like, okay, and I said, stop. And you could tell he was just petrified, and I said, do you know how much Jesus Christ loves you? And Jesus died to free you from that sin. You see, Jesus Christ and this guy just started to sob because we love to condemn people, don't we? We love to sit there and think, I'm not like you. My sin, every one of us here is just as sinful as that guy. If you sit there and you look at that man and say, oh my gosh, that was disgusting. You're the one that's going to stand before God in judgment. God said, you shall not judge, period. Where could any of us ever judge another human being? I never judge anybody in confession because I know what a slob I am before God. And if I get to heaven, maybe by the skin of my teeth, because of my pride, arrogance, and aggressiveness, if I maybe slide into heaven, I'm going to be, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. I will never be able to stand before him and say, Jesus, you owe me. I can only say, please, Jesus. And if I can say that, then anybody that ever comes to me in confession, there's only mercy. Because Jesus died for our sins. And there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. There is freedom. Freedom. We're not about, do we go about condemning people? Jesus came to set us free. When we find someone in sin, do we condemn them and tell them how no good they are? Or do we say Jesus came to free you from that sin? means free you from homosexuality. He came to free you from that. He came to free you from your sexual addiction. He came to free you from your adultery. He came to free you from your temper. He came to free you from your pride, your arrogance. He came to free you from your gossiping. Jesus came to set us free. If we let him. Notice principle, spiritual principle. Before God gives the Ten Commandments, he first sets people free from the slavery before the Ten Commandments were given on Mount Sinai, he first set them free from the slavery of Egypt. Principle. We love to give the commandments without ever giving people the knowledge of freedom from slavery. And people bat their heads against the wall because they want freedom. They know what they do is wrong, most of them. They ask for freedom when they come to confession. And Jesus Christ wants to free you from all your sins. If you let them, confession should be that place of freedom. Now, what do you confess? This is what I want you to do practically, how to get ready for confession. <laughs> Already you're going to wait. In these next 20 minutes, this is what we got to do. The best thing to do is ask and pray to the Holy Spirit and ask him to reveal to you any sins you have. And again, think about walking your life with Jesus Christ next to you. Are you a person of Christ? Are you the person of Jesus in the world? Do they see you or do they see Jesus when someone talks to you? If they're still seeing you, there's still sin in your life that needs to be confessed. The purpose of a Christian is, sir or ma'am, I would like to see Jesus. When they look at my life, when they look at your life, do they see me or do they see Jesus Christ? The purpose of our life is to be Christ in the world. 
What do we need to confess? First commandment, I am the Lord your God. You should not have any false gods before me. Well, you can't give me on that one, Father. That's my biggest sin, false gods. You do realize that, and that's yours too. Because the first God, the first commandment is, do you love God above all things? I mean everything. You see, the first thing you think about in the morning is you think about, oh, I have to go to the bathroom. You see, the first thing you think about how you're going to do your day. Do you fit God into your day or do you build your day around God? Anytime you fit God into your day, you've broken the first commandment. God says, Jesus said, and God, God, same thing. He said, the greatest of all commandments is what? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. Now, do we love God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, and all our strength? And if one of you say yes, you've got pride that you're blind. None of us, and please come on up, I want to kiss your feet because you're a saint of God. Nobody, oh, and there comes Jerry, come on up. No, that, <laughs> just kidding, Jerry, I had to get you. I have to pick on someone and it's you tonight. Anyway, so, comes on up, and not one of us can say that we love God above all things. And again, simple as prayer. If you don't have a daily prayer life, you're not loving God above all. Like if I said, did you, did you eat yesterday? <laughs> yes, Father. Did you pray yesterday? <laughs> no, that means you love food more than you love God. Did you watch television yesterday? Yeah. Did you pray yesterday? <sighs> no, that means you love TV more than you love God. Did you talk to your boyfriend or girlfriend yesterday? <laughs> yeah, Father, we did more than talk. Did you pray yesterday? Uh, no, you love them more than you love God. Did you talk to your husband or wife yesterday? Yeah, sure. Did you pray yesterday? Yeah, no. You love them more than you love God. You know you're called to love God above everybody and everything. He has nothing else. Love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. Do we do that? If not, okay, strike up the first commandment. I broke it. Second commandment. <laughs> At the end, you do realize you have broken every one of these. Just, for, just a thought. Second commandment. Ah, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. No, that's being in vain. That's not in anger. You know, in anger's too, but that's in vain. But it's not just Jesus Christ, God. That, oh, I'd never say that, Father. Very good. I'll kill a kid if I say it. Boom. They get a hit right off the head from me, down in prep. If they say God, isn't that true, Ryan? Boom. Ryan's never said God's name in vain, though. But if he did, and that is something as simple as, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, using God's name in vain. You know what they did to you in the Old Testament if you just said God's name? Killed you. Boom, dead. Oh, it's just a mistake. Sorry, you're dead, honey. <laughs> you know, it was the same penalty for committing adultery and using God's name just once. Just saying God. Boom, you're dead. Big thing. We don't even think it's a, it's a habit, Father. A sinful habit. Third commandment. You ready? Keep away. The Sabbath. <laughs> Going to Mass on Sunday. Oh, here we go. What kind of a sin is it to miss Mass on Sunday? Mortal. Mortal sin. What happens if you die in mortal sin? You go to hell. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. How many sins does it take to go to hell? One. Oh, Father, I don't believe that. Oh, you don't. Let's say that you're really, really, really healthy, huh? You're like, uh, hey, my kids... No, I'll not forget it. I won't use it. You're, you're really healthy. You got ripples in your stomach. Uh, I got ripples too. They're just bigger. See? Anyway, you got these ripples in your stomach. You got a six pack or eight pack and you go to the top of it. You start raw, go good. And you are so healthy. You run up all the flights to the Empire State Building. At the top of the Empire State Building, you become Rocky. Da 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 da. And you go to the edge of the Empire State Building and you walk off just once. Boom. Father, that's not fair. I only did it once. And that's all it took was once. One mortal sin is enough to kill your soul. Same in the physical world, same in the spiritual world. We have a God that can bring you back to life. Huh? We believe in a God of resurrection. But, same in the physical world, same in the spiritual world. What he does then is what happens to commit a mortal sin is you need three things. I hope people remember this. First thing you need, serious matter. Second thing you need, full knowledge. Third thing you need, Full consent of the will. All three of those things must be must be present. Serious matter, full knowledge, full consent of the will. If you've done it, you've committed a mortal sin, and this is a new catechism. People don't teach as much anymore, but it's in a new catechism, still teaching the Roman Catholic Church. If you've done it, you've committed a mortal sin. One mortal sin is enough to kill your soul. You must go to confession. Hmm? It must happen. Now, what happens when you go to confession? What does that mean? 
that means you're never going to do it again. That must be the intention. For instance, let's say I go up to Rob Joyce, and there's Rob, and I say, Hi, Rob, and you say, Hi, Father. Go ahead. Hi, Father. I beat the hell out of Rob. And I say, Oh, I break both of his legs. Ain't I terrible? And I say, Oh, Rob, I'm so sorry. What are you going to say, Rob? That's okay. He's a saint. Isn't that nice? And I go up to him, and I say, I see him an hour later. I go, Hi, Rob. He goes, Hi, Father. And I beat the hell out of him again. This time I break both of his arms. And I go up to him, and I go, Oh, Rob, I am so sorry. What are you going to say? That's okay, Father. See, I told you, saint of God. I see him an hour later, and I go, hi, Rob. He goes, <laughs> hi, Father. Now, I'm only telling you this because it's really true. I beat the heck out of him the other day in class. Everybody watched it. I was on the ground. I got him in a cradle. It was a great, great feeling for me. But anyway, I won. <laughs> and everybody sat there and said, yeah, I let you. No, he didn't let me. I won. Anyway, so I beat the heck out of him again. This time, I both of his legs, both of his arms, he got a bloody nose, and the blood's rolling down his face. And this time I go, <laughs> oh, Rob, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. What are you going to say, Rob? That's <laughs> okay, see? Say, no, he's not going to say That's okay, he's going to say, I don't believe you, Father. <laughs> Why wouldn't he believe me? Because if I was really sorry, what would I do? I'd stop beating the heck out of Rob. And in our own sinfulness, if we go to confession, the intention must be, I am done with this sin. So if I go to confession and I say, I missed Mass on Sunday, my intention must be, I will never miss Mass again. Now, in weakness, we'll fall. But the intention got to be, it's done in my life. I'm done hurting God. Now, that's hard. You know, I have, again, I talked about it before. I have a, ba a friend who's going to be a Lutheran pastor. And this guy just called me the other day after I did this talk last Tuesday, and he called me Wednesday morning. I was, what a, what a gift. He's such a good man. And a young guy, he's younger than I am, and we pray on the phone. I just love this guy. He's such a good, holy person. And he always used to say to me when we were younger and we were both in seminary, he says, you know the problem with you Catholics, Larry? You're always confessing, but you're never repenting. Now, you do realize to be forgiven of your sins, you need to repent. Confessing is not enough. Just because you confess doesn't mean you're forgiven. For forgiveness, according to the teaching of the church, you must repent of your sin. That means if you're walking this way, you totally change your life. That means we have to, each of us have to sit there and think about where we are with God. If Jesus is over, oh, Jesus is over there, his picture. If I'm walking towards Jesus, then I'm walking towards Jesus. Every once in a while I might fall, and I, oh, I'm so sorry, Jesus, and I cling to him. But, usually we're walking towards sin, my life, my pleasure, and every once in a while looking over at Jesus. You know, I love you, Jesus, huh? Divine rabbits, for don't let me go to hell someday. But we're living life the way I want to live life. When Jesus said to repent, the very first words he ever said in public ministry was repent and believe in the good news. Repent means metanoia, which means Turn your life around and follow me. And so what each of us need to do is repent and turn our life to Christ. Now again, every sin must be punished. Now, and what that means is, if like, like it says in the, in the scriptures, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 5 to 7, make no mistake about this, no fornicator, no unclean or lustful person, in effect, my daughter, of any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ or of God, but no one deceive you with worthless arguments, these are sins that bring down God's wrath on his disobedient. So it says, no one who has sex before marriage will go to heaven. That's what it says. Now, a fornicator, though, is one who sits there and says, I've done it, and I'm going to keep doing it, I don't care what God says. So if you cling to the sin... Then when God goes to punish the sin, he will also punish you. But if you've done and go, I'm so sorry, God, help me, and you run to Jesus, then when God goes to punish the sin, his mercy will come upon you. The reality with all of us, and that's not fornication, that's anger, that's all the things. Do we cling to the sin and say, I'm doing it and I don't care, that pride? Or, help me, Jesus, I need you, and run to Jesus. So whatever it is, we've got to cling to Jesus with all this stuff. We've got to run to Jesus, repent of our sinfulness, and run to him. Missing Mass on Sunday is still a serious sin. Always has been and always will be. Sorry. Fourth commandment, honoring your parents. <laughs> that means for those of you who are younger, when you walk in the door, do you go, oh, their parents go, oh, join my son or daughter's home, or oh, I'd have to put up another day with this one. You know, do we drive our parents crazy? Or those who are older, you know, you take care of your parents. Do you honor them? We need, it's the only commandment with a promise. Those who do such will have a long life. 
So honoring our parents. And if they've died, you pray for them. The fifth commandment. With the fifth commandment, it says, Thou shalt not kill. And you're looking at me and saying, Ha ha, Father, I've never killed anybody. You can't get me on that one. Oh yeah? How about your anger? Anger can kill more than any knife into a heart. Trust me on that one. I had people, I did a retreat a little bit ago, and the kid says, Remember, Father, how sometimes you say you've turned people off against God because of your anger? Yeah, I'm one of them. This was just two weeks ago. Anger can kill people. Do we put other people down? Do we put our kids down? Do we say negative things to our kids? Do we put them down? That kills them. It kills their spirit. The only thing we should say, the Bible says, is the things people really need to hear. Things that will help them. They don't get help by you and me bitching. Please excuse the whatever it is. That doesn't help anybody. And it doesn't help our kids either. We should be affirming more than we are condemning. Now, that's very difficult. I don't do well with that myself. But I try. And I know that's the goal of my life, and that's the goal of all of our life. My biggest thing at Cathedral Prep is we're always punitive. We're always punishing kids. I am going out of my mind fighting right now with saying, enough with the punishment. When are we going to start affirming? we got to do it as an institution, or we're not being the image of Christ to the world. And gosh, it's like pulling teeth. I should have been a dentist. You know, the reality is, with all of us, do we tell people only what's wrong, or do we affirm them and tell them what's good? People always do better when you affirm them. You do realize that. So anger, do we hurt people? Have you had an abortion or helped someone have an abortion? If you just took someone to get them an abortion, you're just as guilty if they had it. And you've got to confess that. You have a, if you've got an abortion years ago and you never confessed it because you were afraid, please don't be afraid to confess that. You have a son or daughter in heaven right now that's praying for you. And they would only want you to come home and be forgiven and experience the mercy of God. Sixth commandment. Oh, I don't have time for this, but sixth commandment. Uh, sexual sins. Now, first of all, we got to sit there, and, and this is very brief. It takes me forever to do this, but I can't now. The sixth commandment means, first of all, all of us are sexual beings. I have sexual thoughts and temptations every day of my life. It's good. Sex was created good. It was the first commandment of God. Huh? Increase and multiply. Sex to have kids. Very good. Now, but in the midst of this, he also says that we got to do it his way, not our way. Everyone has the sexual thoughts and temptations. If you're not having sexual thoughts and temptations, don't see a priest, see a doctor, there's something wrong. It's part of who we are. Now, it's not the thoughts, it's what you do with them. For instance, a kid went to confession once and a priest looked at the boy and said, Well, son, have you entertained any sexual thoughts or fantasies? He goes, No, father, they entertain me. <laughs> well... That's when it becomes sinful, huh? Like, let's say you're sitting there and you're at the beach and your fantasy comes walking towards you, whatever your fantasy is. And as they walk towards you, looking real good, they wink at you. And you go, praise God for their beauty. Is there anything wrong with that? No, you're saying, God, you do great work. Keep it up. Or thank you, God, that I can see. Anything wrong with that? Nope. You go to the Sistine Chapel, you look up, you see Adam's thingy looking down at you, huh? The body is not bad. It's not evil. It's not dirty. It's good. Now, it's what you do with it. Now you sit there and see your fantasy walking towards you. And for the next two hours, all you do is think about what you'll do with them sexually. Is there something wrong with that? Yes. You have now used them for your own pleasure. Huh? And that's when it becomes sinful. Now, Jesus is the one that took the thoughts and put them in the heart. And he said, if you look lustfully enough, you've already committed adultery in your heart. <sighs> My kids said, Father, I'm not going to make it. I'm going to die. I can't. I know we need to struggle with this. Now, some people take it and they use the thoughts and carry them out with themselves with masturbation. I can't believe he's going to talk about that. Yes, it's very prevalent, trust me. So the best way to confess that some people are petrified, I could never. And that's the one that embarrasses more than anything else I've ever dealt with. That is the one people are most embarrassed by. They could come and say, Father, I had sex with four women and not even think twice about it. And I'll say, oh, did you have sex with yourself? Oh, yes, Father, why'd you ask? What you need to do, the way to confess that sin is say this, Father, I was impure with myself. Very simple. He's not going to say, well, what do you mean by that? How many times? What did you do? Uh -uh. It's just, I was impure. Now, why is that wrong? Because sex, by definition, should take us outside of ourselves, not turn us toward ourselves. Huh? Take us out of ourselves. 
Now, some people, even good people that are Catholic and go to Mass all the time, go to daily Mass, have a problem with pornography. And pornography becomes an addiction. And what happens is it takes the place of God. And what you do is you need to be set free from that. Bring it to confession. Don't be afraid of it. Bring it to the confessor and let the priest help set you free from that sin. Now, with that, of course, is sex outside of marriage, fornication. I'll read that now. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 5 to 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and following. Revelation, the very last chapter of the Revelation, talks about the fornicators who go to the sulfury grave. Now, so it's very clear that you and I got to sit there and struggle with that and say, no, now intercourse is not the only way of fornication. Oral sex is just as much sex as intercourse. I'm sorry, but this is very clear in the scripture. So with that, so that's before marriage, outside of marriage, adultery, I mean, come on, I think all of us could say, and no, yeah, that's pretty clear, Father. But in the midst of that, homosexuality is wrong, right? Say yes. Why? Why can't two guys have sex? Because no life can come out of it, right? Hmm. If two guys can't have sex, or two girls can't have sex because no life can come out of it, that's why it's wrong, then you must say logically oral sex is always wrong, except it's leading up to intercourse inside a marriage. Why? Because no life can come out of it. And then if you say that, logically, you must then say artificial birth control is wrong. Why? No life can come forth out of it. The same thing. If you start saying artificial birth control is okay, then oral sex is okay, then you must say homosexuality is okay. You must. It's logical. So you got to sit there and see how we play games with ourselves and says the church can't tell me. This is my life. It's my body. I'll do what I want with it. It's not your body. It's God's. And he bought it with a price the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And you and I are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and we got to do what God calls us to do by the temple of the Holy Spirit. <sighs> now, I think I dealt with all sexual sin. I hope I did. I don't have any time to go anymore. So we go to the Seventh Commandment. Have you lied? Have you cheated? Have you stolen? Eighth Commandment. Have you gossiped? Have you gossiped? you got to get rid of that. you got to deal with it in your life. Nine and ten, have you been jealous? Looked at sin of gluttony. Have you got drunk or got high? Now, that was a very short examination of conscience. But at the end of all that, you go, Father, I broke them all. Like I say, join the crowd. We all need a Savior. You know, please don't ever be embarrassed to go to confession. Don't ever sit there and think, I could never tell this to a priest. Because you're talking to a sinner too. A sinner who wants to give you the mercy of God. I have never in my life ever yelled at anybody in confession. Ever. I know, and the priests that do are going to purgatory for most of their eternity. Trust me. Oh, when I was a kid, I used to go to St. Mary's Church in downtown Pittsburgh, and my, my penance was to go into this priest, and he'd yell at old ladies. What the heck are you going to yell at an old lady for? But you'd hear him all the way down. I'd say, okay, God, here I go. And I'd go in that confession. Oh, yes, yes, Father, I'm very sorry, Father, very sorry. And I'd come on. I'd, oh, I will never do that to another human being. A priest yells you in confession, if you're sorry, say, Father, I'm sorry, go to hell and walk out. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's the way it is. Because the priest is not being Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ did not go to the cross to yell at you. Now, if you go to confession and you say, Father, I did it, I'm going to do it some more, then he shouldn't yell at you, he should beat you. But if you come to confession and you're very, very sorry and he is yelling at you, the priest has a problem. That is simple. Please don't worship priests as gods. Please don't do it. The priest can be screwed up. There are screwed up priests. And if you're being yelled at in confession and don't you ever go back to him, you tell him he's going to stand before God for the way he treats other people. Knock him in the head so he might have to not have to go to purgatory for so long. Because it's a lot of things. I have had to do so much healing because a bad priest that yelled and screamed at people in the confessional. God does not come to the cross to kick us and tell us we're no good. And if that's the God you worship, I don't want to be with him for an hour for less for eternity. God is a God of mercy. And the only thing we can do is cry out. Remember, it's repent and believe in the what? The good news. What's the good news? You are loved. 
So if you're being yelled at, you really feel loved, don't you? Oh, yeah, keep going. Well, sometimes you need to be strong with somebody, but most people already have their own hang-ups. My whole thing with you for how to get more out of confession is just that you make a good examination. But you come to know that you're a sinful person, but it's okay. It doesn't mean, oh, it's okay to sin. It means that you need a Savior, and that the priest can be the person that you can come to and experience the mercy of God. If you haven't been in confession in a while, I invite you to come in two weeks, or I invite you to call me, and I'll hear your confession. And I give an option to all the people, and Lord, the kids, if you ever go to cathedral prep on a, when I'm hearing confessions, we have ten priests there, and my line is from the sanctuary all the way down, especially freshmen and sophomores, to the back of the door of the cathedral. Because I have what you call the questions. I'll tell you what it is in case you ever get me. You can always ask the question. Father, and I know we're running late. Just give me a second. The questions are this. Let me give you a blessing. I'll give you a blessing. Do you pray every day? Have you used God's name in vain? Have you missed mass? Have you disobeyed or dishonored your parents? Have you got angry? Have you hurt others with your words? Have you made fun of others? Have you helped someone have an abortion? Have you had an abortion? Impure thoughts, impure actions with yourself. Oral sex with another, intercourse with another. If you're married, I'll say, do you have sex with anybody other than your husband or wife? Have you, if you're married, I'll say, have you used artificial birth control? Have you had sex with someone of the same sex? Have you looked at pornography? Have you lied? Have you cheated? Have you stolen? Have you gossiped? Have you been jealous? Have you got drunk? Have you got high? Is there anything else? Now, normally it's, yes, 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 yes. No, I'd never do that one, Father. Yes, 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 yes. And then I say, okay... Anything else, let's talk about how many times or anything so we can get, because to make a good confession, these people go around and if you ever go to absolution, general absolution, you still must confess mortal sins. You must make a one-on-one -on -one confession and you must admit every sin you've ever done. You must do that. So that's why I do the questions because some people are embarrassed. And then they come out and they say, oh, that was the first time I ever confessed some of that stuff, Father. Well, good. You know how much God loves you. I'll give them absolution. I'll say your penance is one our Father. And then if we're face to face, I'll say, come here and I'll give him a hug. Because Christ does that. And who taught me that about the hugging and everything was Father Peterson. Because that's what he does. He taught, I'll never forget when I was petrified of confession. And I went to him once and I'm walking through. And I just met him. He's my spirit director now. And he put his arm and he says, what's your name? I said, Larry. He says, Larry, do you know how much God loves you? I said, oh yeah. And whack! He hit me off the head so hard. And he said, liar. And I thought, oh. Now I'm going to go with this priest. This is great, huh? And I'll never forget walking in there and telling my sins. And I thought, here I go again. Another one's going to yell at me. And he didn't. He was so gentle with me. And then after that, he gave me absolution. And I said, oh, thank you, Father. And I started walking. And I said, wait, stop. I said, what? And he came up and grabbed me and he hugged me. And he says, welcome home. I said, Okay, thanks. <laughs> I walked out. I walked out. It was a big cornfield, and I cried like a baby most of the night because it was the first time I ever experienced the freedom of Jesus Christ and the mercy of Jesus Christ. And if you have never experienced the freedom and the mercy and the complete joy of confession, please come to confession. Please get set free from your sins. God does not come to condemn you. He comes to love you. You got it? You get it? Good. May each of you know his love today and forever. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you and protect you in your Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. We hope you were inspired by this podcast, and we encourage you to share it on social media and warmly invite you to distribute our free Catholic scapulars, medals, books, and booklets to your family, friends, parish, and social groups. Visit us online at catholiccity.com for more information. The real work of the Mary Foundation is accomplished by people just like you. There are three ways to help. First, please pray for everyone who hears, reads, or wears our materials. Second, share them with everyone you know, family, friends, fellow parishioners, and the people you work with. Only you can reach them. Finally, please help us financially. It seems impossible, but we don't do traditional fundraising here at the Mary Foundation. We rely on your generosity and God's providence. By the way, if you, your parish, or your Catholic group would like to distribute our materials by the dozens, hundreds, or even thousands, all we ask for is help covering our materials costs. So please visit us online for suggested donations. For our Canadian friends and those outside the United States, only online requests are accepted, so please refer to the special shipping rates listed on our website. Thanks for listening, and we're looking forward to working with you. May God bless you always. 
And now, here's a short preview of our Rosary and Divine Mercy Chaplet, the most popular rosary according in the history of the world. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. For an increase in the virtues of faith, hope, and charity. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. All rights are reserved, and any duplication without permission is prohibited.